What is the gospel? We need clarity in what we mean by the gospel. The term gospel is used so pervasively in Christian circles that we tend to take it for granted. It just sort of loses its meaning. Everything is gospel-centered. Gospel-centered mechanics, gospel-centered surgery, gospel-centered, I don't know, cooking. We have gospel music, gospel this, gospel that. We need to stop filling the gospel up with whatever is important in the Christian world. And and some of those things, you know, gospel-centered discipleship, gospel-centered preaching, those things are important, but it actually does damage to our understanding of what the gospel is. We need to stop shoving things in the gospel, whatever the culture might deem important and good for today, social justice, increased welfare, feminism, LGBTQ causes, all of that just gets shoved into the gospel as a cudgel to manipulate you and manipulate me into doing whatever the political left wants us to do. So we need to understand truly what the gospel is. In short, the gospel is the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Okay, podcast over. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get into that a little bit more, but my definition, the definition I believe that is most closely um, in line with the scriptures is the gospel is the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Michael Horton makes the argument the term gospel is a very precise term, a particular kind of word or speech in the Bible. It's actually a victory announcement, and it refers to God's promise of salvation in Christ. The gospel, in other words, is not good advice. It isn't equivalent to whatever good thing, whatever important thing we have in the Christian world. The gospel never tells us something to do. It tells us something that has been done. Doing things that God says, again, is absolutely important. But this isn't the good news of the gospel. Daryl Harrison puts it this way, the culture has its own quote-unquote gospel, but it's not an evangel. It's not good news. It's a false gospel of salvation through faith in itself. Think about that. The quote-unquote gospel of the culture is that it can save itself from itself. That's not good news. That's insanity. Owen Strand writes this, There is no mercy in the gospels of this world, but there is infinite mercy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need clarity. And the Apostle Paul gives us clarity. He tells us what the true gospel is in unmistakable terms. He explains it to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. So just a few observations here. Paul received this gospel, according to verse 3. It isn't human invention. It wasn't the result of human logic. It was received by revelation. This is why Paul calls it the gospel of God in Romans 1. It is the good news to mankind from God. So it's unchanging. It's unalterable. We don't get to adjust it or change it or tweak it. There is no making it better. It is eternally good news as God is eternal. And in it is the wonder-working power of God, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If the gospel we preach isn't the gospel that Paul received, then we are preaching a man's gospel, not God's gospel. And it won't save anybody. See, Paul even takes a large portion of the beginning of Galatians to make this point to us. He says in Galatians 1.6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that's contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel that's contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man... I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul gives us three elements to this glorious gospel of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, First, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Christ bore the sins of his people on the cross. He bore the penalty. He absorbed all of God's wrath, leaving none for his people. And he canceled our sin. And Old Testament prophecies like Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 all look forward to this. Not only was he crucified, not only did he die for our sins, but he was buried. The fact that he was buried verified that he truly died. Number three, he was raised according to the scriptures. This sacrifice of Christ was so valuable to God that he showed it being perfectly valuable by raising him from the dead. The sacrifice was so perfect to God that he showed its perfection by raising him from the dead. Jesus was so perfect that death could not hold him any longer. Christ died for us and he was raised according to Romans 4 our justification. Without the resurrection, we have no justification. We have no Christian faith is the whole argument of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So you see just the the glorious simplicity and the complexity of the gospel. It's so simple that a child can understand. It is precise 
Yet it is so remarkable that the Son of God would become the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. We'll, we'll consider that, spend eternity meditating on, the, on that truth. It's this gospel that we were saved by and the same gospel we live in day by day by day. Romans 16 verse 25 puts it this way, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. R.C. Sproul says this, The gospel is called the good news because it addresses the most serious problem that you and I have as human beings. And that problem is simply this. God is holy and he is just and I am not. And at the end of my life, I'm going to stand before a just and holy God and I will be judged. I'll be judged either on the basis of my own righteousness or lack of it or the righteousness of another. So the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived a a life of perfect righteousness, of perfect obedience to God, not for his own well-being, but for his people. He's done this for me. What I could possibly, I couldn't possibly ever do for myself. But not only has he lived that life of perfect obedience, he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice to satisfy the justice and the righteousness of God. The great misconception in our day is this, that God isn't concerned to protect his own integrity. He's a kind of wishy-washy deity who just waves a wand of forgiveness over everybody. No. For God to forgive you is a very costly matter. It costs the sacrifice of his own son. So the gospel isn't doing justice, loving your neighbor, the golden rule, clothing the poor, feeding the hungry. The gospel is the good news of what God has already done through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. I'm going to give it up to Vodi Bakum from the Shepherds Conference 2022. When people say, no, our, our problem is this, our problem is that, we say, no, 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 our problem is that God created the world And God created man and he put man in the garden to keep the garden. And he gave the man a command. And he held that man to perfect, perpetual obedience to that command. And he promised him life if he kept it and death if he didn't. And he didn't keep it. He ate. And because he ate, because of that one man, sin entered the world. And death through sin. And everyone born from that man through ordinary generation inherited that man's sin nature. And because of that sin nature, sins proceed from it. And our world is broken because of that sin. 
and we stand guilty before a holy and righteous God. And we know that he's holy and we know that he's righteous and we crave justice. But the problem is that if God gives us justice, we all die. And so that God in his goodness and in his mercy sent forth his son who was not born of ordinary generation but was born of a virgin. Yes, the virgin birth matters. Why? Because if he's born of ordinary generation, he's born in sin. But because he's not born of ordinary generation, he's not born in sin. He's clean of sin. His record is clean and he keeps his record clean and he obeys God's law. And because he's fully God and fully man, he obeys the law of God on our behalf in his active obedience. And then in his passive obedience, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. All we like sheep had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, but God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust. And God imputes our sinfulness to him. And he nails our sinfulness to the tree. And Christ dies and raises again on the third day for our justification. And there's another imputation. The righteousness of Christ is actually imputed to us so that God can be both just and the justifier of the one who places faith in Jesus Christ so that all those who come to Christ may enter in, so that all those who place faith in Christ might be saved, but not only saved, but sanctified. Because he's the firstborn of many brethren. We're justified and we're adopted into the family of God and we're sanctified. And as his children, we begin to bear the family resemblance and we're further sanctified throughout this life by the very same gospel that saves us until one day when it's all said and done, we're not just saved from the penalty of sin. We're not just saved from the power of sin, but one day we're glorified and saved from the very presence of sin. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that we need. And that's the gospel that's more than enough.